This is Cody Smith, and you're listening to the Virtuous Fitness Podcast. All right, you guys, welcome back to the Virtuous Fitness Podcast. I want to thank you for joining in and tuning in on another episode of the show. We've been at this for, gosh, a couple of years now, and I was looking through, and uh, we have reached our 200th episode, so it's super cool to get on here and essentially talk to myself in a room and for people to listen to it later. Uh, that's always a funny thing that uh, a lot of uh, the guys that I know that also do podcasts as well, it's pretty funny to, to sit here and think that we talk to ourselves and then people listen to it later, and um, you know we are able to kind of share some of our thoughts around training and nutrition and all these different things. And uh, I just want to thank you guys for being with me 200 episodes in and uh, hopefully we'll get 200 more episodes in now um, as always before we jump to the show I need you to do me a favor I need you to head on over to iTunes give the show a five-star rating and review we always ask people to do that because it helps us not only to get uh, you know guests on the podcast because it helps to say like you know we've got X amount of reviews blah 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 but the bigger thing too is that it helps it to move up the charts and um, there are a ton of podcasts out there that are, you know, not exactly worth their salt. And there are some that are really good. And ultimately, we want the best ones to be at the top. And ratings and reviews help us do that. Um, and then uh, the big thing, too, with that is uh, we just love to know how we're doing. We love to know, you know, how this is affecting you and if it benefits you and then in what ways. And then, uh, as always, you can always drop in who you would like us to reach out to to get on the show. So five-star rating review on iTunes. And then one last thing, take a screenshot on your phone, post on your story, and then uh, tag me in it. I am at Coach Cody Smith. Um, The big thing with that too, guys, is that not only moving up the charts is is very helpful, but the other thing too is that right now, somebody in your friend list, somebody that you, you know, are connected to in some way, shape, or form could benefit from this show. And then ultimately having your help to get this show, you know, in their hands is a big deal. And it's a way that you can kind of pay it forward to your friends. So uh, take that screenshot, post on your story, tag me in it. And then without any further ado, we're going to jump into the show. So today's show is going to be 100% based around some questions that I received uh, off of Instagram. And um, a lot of times I've found that when somebody has a question, um, more often than not, other people also are thinking the same thing or are wondering the same thing. So we're going to jump into a handful of questions. I got about six here and uh, I'll kind of just freestyle it and see where it goes. And then um, as always, if you have questions and you have things that you would like to know or, or just, you know, there's some confusion that you need to be cut through, uh, I would love to be a part of that and I would love to help you with that. So you can always reach out to me on uh, really on any social media platform at any time and you can ask your question and you can uh, feel free to email me as well. Um, so we're going to go ahead and jump into it. So first question that I got was, um, what are diet breaks? So diet breaks are, I guess you could say it's kind of a, it's a tactic that coaches use to, um, I guess you could say to help prolong the diet phase, right? Because a lot of times, um, and you may have kind of gone through this yourself, um, your, your body just adapts to things, right? And you may have done it, gone on a diet for a period of time, and you put yourself into a, di- a calorie deficit, and eventually your your body gets used to that thing, and then you take your calories a little deeper, and then it gets you it gets used to that, and you just kind of keep progressing. But eventually, you get to this point to where your body no longer responds to the calorie deficit. And then there's a couple things at play um, when that when that comes into to, to existence, right? And a lot of times, it's first your body is just fatigued. You've been diet you've been dieting for a long period of time. And your body more or less, it just kind of knows what's going on and it's really figured it out. 
Um, and, and then the process that causes that is this thing called metabolic adaptation. Now, there's some people that'll kind of argue whether that's actually a thing or not. I'm here to tell you that that is definitely a thing that I've seen anecdotally with working with people. And um, it's something that y- we just see happen time and time again with people. So a diet break is essentially where you take a break from your diet for about a week. You take where you are in your deficit and then you walk yourself to your new maintenance for, you know, seven days, 10 days, whatever it may be. Um, but you essentially take yourself out of the diet out of the diet for a period of time to allow your body to kind of recover, right? Because we got to remember that when we go into a calorie deficit and we are constantly in a cut, that actually does cause stress on your body. That forces your body to have to work overtime and to take these fat stores and to burn them into energy and, and obviously making you either leaner or, you know, more shredded than you were before, right? And, and there's a cool study that I, I kind of wanted to talk about that um, kind of puts into perspective um, how this whole thing went. So back in 2017, they did a study, and um, the, when they used it, you know, a proper diet break, it helped a single group to lose 50% more fat than the uh, the other group who you know continuously dieted for 16 weeks. Now, the only downfall with that is that when you do take diet breaks, it does sure it does help to or or it does slow down the you know the the quickness of how quickly you can go through the diet because you do have to take a step back and you have to you have to uh, go into your maintenance calories for a period of time. But um, what is really cool about that is that overall taking the longer approach to lose body fat, taking that longer approach to um, go through your cut phase actually allows you to lose more and retain more muscle. Now, there, there are a couple things to where maybe the diet break might not be the most efficient thing to do. It might not be the best thing to do. You know, if you're a, uh, a weight class category type competitor or you're a performance-based athlete or, you know, physique competitor, whatever it may be, and, and, you know, we can make arguments there as to where a diet break would be the right thing. Sometimes when you have to lose the weight really, really fast for a particular event, Sure, we might not want to employ a thing like a diet break because it will prolong the amount of time. But study after study has shown that when you when you work diet breaks into your plan, into your protocols, over time, it actually allows you to lose significantly more body fat and then sustain the result after. <clears throat> and you got to think about that too, is because a lot of times it's not just the diet that we have to be concerned about. We have to be about we have to be concerned about the diet after the diet. We don't just go into our cut phase and then right back into eating normally because a lot of times we can lose the we can lose kind of the progress that we made. But if we we work and we take our time, we throw in things like diet breaks to take your body out of that fatigue state for a period of time, we can prolong our diet and we can help to prolong the uh, the amount at which um, uh, us sustaining our result after that. Um, and, And then. You know, again, and that goes 100% in line with um, keeping your body from getting used to what you're doing. So diet breaks, I'm a fan. It's something that I use a ton um, with my clients. Not only from, you know, you know, these come into play too with an adherence problem, right? So a lot of times sticking to your diet can be a challenge. You know, let, you know let's say I come to you and I say, hey, we're going to do a cut phase for 16 weeks. That's going to be a very challenging thing to overcome mentally versus if I say, hey, we're going to do, you know, a 32 week cut or you know a, a 30 week process or 32 week process but every third or fourth week I'm going to put you into a diet break now there's a different conversation we battle the diet fatigue that people see we make sure that your body continues to be um, very uh, 
inefficient, which is a good thing in this particular conversation, being inefficient at burning calories. So you keep just burning them up and burning them up and burning them up. And um, we can sustain the result better after. And, uh, you know, that knowing that you only have to go through a diet three or four weeks at a time and then you get those extra calories every third or four week, third or fourth week can be something that can be uh, very helpful for a person to stick to a diet. So that's a diet break in a nutshell. Uh, I think I went a little too long on that answer, but um, there, there's a lot of things to kind of consider when it comes to that. Now, second question, and this is, this is one that um, I'm always very cautious and very clear with my, <clears throat> with my answer in this, um, and this was, how do you stay motivated? So for me, motivation comes from a place of being very clear on what it is that I want, right? Because I don't think motivation is a, motivation isn't one of my favorite words. I think there are elements of time, you know, when you are motivated, but for the most part, um, I don't believe motivation to be true. What I do believe to be true is uh, when you have clarity of purpose and when you have clarity of direction, right? So uh, a lot of times when people are um, struggling with, I guess you could say like their, their direction and sticking to what they're trying to do. A lot of times they're not exactly clear with where they want to go, right? There's a misalignment and this can go with really anything. Your, 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 whatever target you have, whether it's your lifestyle or your mindset or a body fat loss goal, or you're gaining muscle or looking to perform it with a certain thing. If you find that you're having trouble sticking to your diet, if you find that you're having trouble staying true to what you said you want to do, a lot of times you're not very clear on what it is you want. It's most almost it's it's 90, 99% of the time going to be put attributed to um, not being clear on what you want. And and this is why when I take people through, you know, any you know, I'll, I'll always do an intake process when it comes to nutrition clients or individual training clients or, or really anybody. You know, when I have um, business mentor people or um, I'm kind of life coaching people. It always comes down to me really trying to dig on what it is they want and why they want that thing. Because it's easy to say, like, yeah, like, you know, it's a very popular thing to say, hey, I want to lose body fat. Sure, just about everybody in America does. But why do you want to lose that body fat? Right. And a lot of times, if we're not exactly tied to a very clear purpose, um, then then we're more or less what we're lying to ourselves we're lying to our coaches we're lying to pretty much everybody because we're not exactly clear and sometimes you don't know that right sometimes you don't know what the purpose is is why you want something it could be tied to some you know some things that happened to you let's say you're like 40 years old it could be something that tied to you know that happened to you as a teenager right as to why you want that thing so what i'll typically do is i'll walk people through like hey what do you want and then we have to get specific right? It has to be something that's measurable, something that you can check off, not, you know, I want to be fit. Well, what does fitness mean to you? Well, it means that I can do this, this, and this, and this. Cool. Now we take those metrics and we attach it to the purpose or the, the goal or the target that we're going after. Once we have, you know, made a clear distinction as to what it is we want, now we have to get clear on the why. Why do you want that thing? Why do you want, so, so you've defined fitness, you want to be fit, you define what fitness is to you or what fit is to you, now, why do you want that thing? You know, is it a fear of death? Is it a, you know, uh, uh, a fear of being in a, in a state of uh, atrophy later on to where you can't move and you have any trouble getting up? Or, um, you know, could it just be quality of life? Could it be you want to see your grandkids and be able to run around with them? Like, w- whatever that thing is, we have to be very clear as to why. And for my coaches out there, it's the same thing. Like, whatever 
you know, business goal you're chasing or client amount or, or whatever it is, we have to get extremely clear on why we want it. Then and only then, when we know why we want something, why we want something, can we start working on the how. And that is where motivation comes from. Motivation comes from an exact direct direction that you are heading towards and a clear purpose as to why you're heading that direction. And really, once you have a strong enough you know, purpose or you're clear enough on, you know, as to like what it is you want and why, the, the, the work after that is very simple and it's very easy to do. Um, so that's how you stay motivated. Staying motivated comes from being very clear on uh, what it is that you want. All right, next question. Um, what are your thoughts on training on poor sleep? Okay, so this is a it depends question because there, there's there's two uh, layers as to how I want to approach this answer. <clears throat> so the first one is, number one, there's a mental side. Sometimes I think there is... Um, there is a reason to train on poor sleep, right? And that reason is simply number one, to work through something that's hard and to work past that because, you know, not every day, like I had one this morning to where I woke up, I didn't really sleep very well. And uh, we just had my my in-laws are visiting from out of town and we stayed up late and we were playing ping pong and hanging out. And I got into bed kind of late, but my alarm still went off at the same time. And I had a real difficult time getting out of the, the bed to go work out uh, in our home gym this morning. Um, for me, it's very habitual and, it, and it's, I'm not going to say easy, but it's something that like I will just work through it and go downstairs and train. But the the bigger thing was, is like today I had a mental win. You know, maybe the workout wasn't the greatest and I didn't have the greatest performance in the gym. And, you know, my weights weren't as high as they usually were and, you know, Maybe my mind just felt tired, but today I got a mental win of getting it done. So that's kind of the first layer um, of the mental side. The second layer of just the mental side alone is it teaches you a lesson as to how important it is to get in the bed at an earlier time the night before, right? So you, you kind of get to, you know, touch your hand to the fire and feel the, feel the, feel the heat and to realize that, like, that's, a, that's a, not a place that you want to find yourself in again in the future. So two layers of the mental side. Now, when it comes to the physical, more logical side of how I want to answer this question, I think if you've slept really terrible, there is some merit to just simply not working out that day. And the only reason I say that is because unless you're working on the mental side of this thing, of this question, there's really no purpose as to kind of slumbering through or, or, or you know, lumbering through the workout and it not really meaning anything. Right. So if mentally, you know, it's not something that you have to overcome and it's more purely like you're thinking you're coming to it from a place of is this going to benefit me physically? There's a big resounding no most of the time in this situation, because if you go into the gym and you're not putting in enough effort, you're likely not going to lift the same amount of weights. You're likely not going to put the same amount of effort. You're likely not going to move technically through the lifts as sound and as precise as you typically would, which could lead to, you know, number one, an injury. And number two, it could lead to you not fully utilizing that training day. And a lot of times you may be served better by taking that day off because the reality is, is that a lot of us are overtrained anyway. So having that extra recovery period could be a good thing from a, you know, from a physiological standpoint to improve that day. So I think that the double layer, um, 
kind of perspective as to how I want to answer that question is it depends as always. Um, now, mentally, I think it could be a good thing. Physically, more often than not, it's not going to be a good thing. And it's going to be something that is not going to serve you and going to benefit you as much. Uh, so that's kind of my answer there. And I hope that kind of brings clarity to you, to you, uh, to the person that asked me that. Okay, next question. This is a protein question. So um, when it comes to getting the right amount of protein in every single day, I see some things that say one gram per pound of body weight is the good is what you want. <clears throat> and I see some things that say one gram per pound of the goal weight that you would like to be. Which one is correct? What are your thoughts on this? Okay, so this, you know, this is a common debate in the fitness industry as to what is the best approach as to how to, you know, gear up a person's macros when it comes to this, to the, to the protein conversation. <clears throat> so I think at a minimum, um, you know, the, the, the research and, and most things out there support that at a minimum you need like 0.8 grams of protein per pound of body weight. However, um, I, I'll answer this how... I'll acknowledge that some, in some cases, the goal weight might be the better options. But in most cases, we could all benefit from just eating enough protein, if not a little bit more, um, just for sake of, you know, covering our, covering our, um, covering our backside and making sure that we're, we're getting in what we need. Now, this is especially important when it comes to um, a person that is in a fat loss phase. So if a person is in a fat loss phase, we know that different macronutrients have an effect on, on something called your thermic effective feeding, right? So your thermic effective feeding is essentially your body's means to heat up and break down the particular food that you are consuming to, you know, digest it and send it to different places. So what we know is that protein has the highest effect on the thermic effect of feeding. So you, you, you may have experienced this in the past if you've gone to any sort of restaurant. I mean, I, one thing that always comes to mind when I, when I talk about the, the thermic effect of feeding is like these, you know, these uh, Texas or these uh, Brazilian steakhouses to where you pretty much get an unlimited supply of, you know, meats that get delivered to your um, – that get delivered to your table and pretty much doesn't stop. And a lot of people always joke and they're just like, you know, I was getting the meat sweats. Um, this is a real thing. And the meat sweats are a thing and, and not a joke because when you get really, really hot like that, that's coming from your body heating up to break that food down because protein makes you work the hardest. Now, where this is a big deal is that because your body is having to work really hard to break it down when you're in a fat loss phase, this actually helps you to burn more calories without having to increase your activity and your exercise every single day. So I use the one gram per pound of body weight in almost all cases um, just simply to make sure that um, I'm helping a person to burn as many calories as possible. So um, w w when it comes to that, I want you guys to make sure that, sure, if you're eating at least 0.8 uh, grams of protein per pound of body weight, you're probably fine. In most situations, depending on what we are doing with your nutrition, um, I'm almost always going to shy to the side of just going one gram per pound of body weight. It's the most simple. If you're extremely overweight, maybe we might go a little bit lower, maybe closer to your goal weight or um, slightly over it. But in most cases, it's probably going to be the best option to go one gram per pound of body weight. So that's my kind of my, my thoughts on that question. So I hope that helps you. Okay, next question. Um, thoughts on intermittent fasting. 
I've actually done a couple episodes on intermittent fasting and kind of my thoughts around it. I think that intermittent fasting is one of those fads that has, has gained popularity because there are a few, what's the word I'm looking for? A few people that have had a lot of good success with it. Now, you know, when it comes to intermittent fasting, a lot of times this is something that people employ because they want to lean out. They want to lose some body fat and their friend tried intermittent fasting and they lost weight. And and this is both good and bad. Um, good because it, it kind of brings awareness and brings people into a, a place to where they're a little more conscious with how they eat. But it's bad because it you, you never really understand the mechanism of why this works. So I think intermittent fasting is a good thing if you're a busy person and eating breakfast is pretty much something that's off the table. Now, some of the some of the effects and, and, and th- ways that people use intermittent fasting is, you know, they talk about how it helps with insulin sensitivity. They say it helps with making your body better at regenerating cells because it's not always working to break down foods and, and kind of gives your digestive tract a break. And in and, and some of those cases, sure, that could possibly be something that's good. But unfortunately, um, you know, there's not really a lot of good research that backs that. There is a lot of good research that backs that um, if you are going to do any sort of fast, that it might be better to just do a 24-hour fast periodically instead of intermittent fasting every day. Because I, I just had this opinion just from working with clients that it's actually not a good thing when you wake up in the morning and you're not hungry. And, it, and it's only not a good thing because it, it typically is a signal of overstress or it's a signal of a, um, a down-regulated metabolism. Because if you have a metabolism that is alive and well and, and burning calories and it's being very um, inefficient and always looking for energy, a lot of times it's, it's, a, it's a sign of a healthy metabolism. And in my opinion, if you wake up in the morning and you're not very hungry, that could be signaling to some other issues like a down-regulated metabolism, maybe a little bit of uh, metabolic adaptation, maybe uh, you're overstressed, um, you know, the, 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 or maybe you're overfed. I mean, it could be a handful of different things, but the, the gist of it is, is that intermittent fasting is kind of not the end-all be-all, but it could be something that lifestyle-wise could benefit you Um it, to, to, you know, better fit into your life and your, your schedule that day. Now, the, the mechanism of why intermittent fasting works for some people is because you eliminate an entire meal. And if we eliminate an entire meal, that means that your daily calorie intake is going to be significantly lower. And you may find that, hey, you know, you started doing intermittent fasting, you felt good, you lost some body fat, and then it stopped. Well, just like we kind of talked about with diet breaks and adaptation with your metabolism and, and kind of when I touched on that a little bit, when intermittent fasting is employed and a person gets good results at first and then it stops is because your body's now adapted to what you're doing. And now intermittent fasting has lost its merit and it's kind of lost its reasoning in the first place. And uh, it's probably better just to look at it throughout the day. Now, with the lifestyle folks, if you're going to use this just simply because you get to work super early, it's hard to get up and do breakfast. I still want to encourage you to make sure that you do eat the amount of calories that you need to every day because, um, uh, with without those the calories, you're still going to have the same kind of uh, effects that I was talking about before. So, um, short answer is going to be, I think intermittent fasting is good for lifestyle purposes, not exactly the best practice for nutrition. Although I don't think it's really going to uh, hurt you, and we have to understand that when you do intermittent fasting, it's only putting you into a calorie deficit, and that's why if you are losing body fat on it, why it's benefiting you uh, in the short term and not necessarily in the long term. 
All right, last uh, question that I have here, and this is perfect because I wanted to go about 30 minutes on this today. Okay, so last question. What are some nutrition tips for vegetarians? Thanks in advance. So I think, number one, I always want to ask people, and, and I'm very cautious with how I step around this answer because I, I, I want to make sure that I understand where people are coming from when it comes to being you know, either vegan or vegetarian. Um, because in, in some cases, there, there, there's two layers here. Number one, if you're doing this for spiritual reasons or, you know, for, you know, certain views that you have, then I think, veget- you know, veganism and, and being a vegetarian is great. But if you're coming at this purely from, you know, an I want to be healthy standpoint, um, we know that uh, it, it's not exactly the best route for you um, to go that route. And, 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 and kind of here's why. It's because in most cases, you know, vegetarians tend to very easily overeat carbohydrates and tend to undereat protein. I mean, it's very hard using, you know, beans and lentils and um, different, you know, synthetic protein sources. It's significantly harder to get in the protein that you need every day. And, and you know, Without the presence of protein and carbs, it's very hard for your body. Um, with the, I'm sorry, without the correct amounts of protein and carbs every day, it's very hard to you know build muscle and to heal you adequately. So, I'm almost always want to make sure I ask the right questions as a coach as to why you know either you know this particular person is doing it and and, and uh, why my client would be interested in it. And then it kind of if I figure out why I either try to drive them to more more of a uh, I guess I, I guess you could say a, a normal type of nutrition practice and I kind of hate that hate that I framed it like that but it is what it is or um, help them to enhance what they're doing so the the biggest thing is make sure that you make protein a priority it's very easy to overconsume carbs and underconsume protein um, I found that a lot of vegan vegans and a lot of ve- vegetarians um, are often um, not getting all of the, all of the micronutrients that they need every single day. Like, sure, you're getting a ton of different things from the vegetables, but a lot of times the the types of um, vitamins and minerals that you will get from um, meats are kind of non-existent. So uh, typically, that's going to boil down to you know your vitamin B12, iron, um, zinc, calcium, omega-3 fatty acids. Um, those types of things are typically uh, very deficient in a vegetarian diet. So because you're not getting that from, you know, your meat sources, you might want to look into things like multivitamins and different supplements there um, to help to supplement that to make sure that you do get it in every day because uh, you're not going to be getting it from your daily diet, but your body still needs it. And, you know, if you're that that person that wants to use the vegetarian diet to really enhance and to make things better, these are some deficiencies that you're likely going to see. So make sure you either, you know, find a good multivitamin or start to take some of these vitamins and minerals separately. Uh, Look at how you can get them back into your foods. And really everybody should be um, making sure they get in their omega-3s and their omega-6s because just purely from a a health and longevity standpoint, that's going to be very important. Um, so that's really how I want to answer that question. Be aware of the carb overeating that it will come. Make sure that you supplement the vitamins and minerals that you're missing and, um, be weary of over consuming carbohydrates. And then as always, like if you're, if you're trying to make a measurable goal or, or a measurable target, make sure you still are accounting for your daily intake every single day. So, um, 
you guys were at about 30 minutes. That's the kind of the exact amount of time that I wanted to go into today. And um, uh, if you don't follow me on social media already, make sure to hop on there and really ask questions. And I'll either answer them on the show. Most often I'll answer them like in person anyways, or I'm sorry, uh, through a message anyways. Um, I also have been known to, to send a video answer of these things. Um, but the biggest thing is I just want to help people and I want to kind of cut through some of the, you know, the misunderstanding, misunderstanding things and, the, you know, the ways that you can be mis- misled as a person when it comes to your training and nutrition. So any way that I can be of service with that is always there. Um, so if you want to send me a question over, do that. Also, when I post it in the story, make sure to hop in and drop your question. I'll answer it there and then um, use some of them for the show here. So thank you so much for tuning in today. I hope that you got some knowledge and um, I'll look forward to talking in an episode. Thank you so much for spending some time with me today and tuning into the Virtuous Fitness Podcast. I release episodes every single week. You can find me at Coach Cody Smith in the gym at Virtuous Fitness WA on Instagram to stay up to date with all things Virtuous Fitness. Before you go, head over to iTunes and give this show a rating review. That is how we grow this show and make it even more impactful for you. Thanks again for tuning in and we'll see you on the next episode.